All right, everybody, are you ready for a slapdash, poorly edited, but still fun, reading and evaluation of the Dead Sea Scrolls? And by reading, yes, I mean I have the uh, complete Dead Sea Scrolls in English, uh, 2004 edition. We're going to go ahead and just read all of it. And as we read, we're going to evaluate everything from a Christian theological litmus test way of going about it. I don't know that anybody has actually done this, mostly because the Dead Sea Scrolls are that thing that people throw out saying, aha, this demonstrates my worldview or my hot take. Um, a good example of this, I don't know if anybody here has heard of Barbara Thiering, but Barbara Thiering was this chick that caused this huge amount of controversy with this... Um, Pesher technique that she totally didn't just make up and pull right out of her butt to claim that, uh, well, John the Baptist was this teacher of righteousness and Jesus was the bad guy who was a divorced and remarried father of a bunch of kids who didn't really die on the cross or something like that. Barbara Thiering just made a bunch of crap up, but she claimed that it was all in the Dead Sea Scrolls. Uh, and of course, we can't forget J.M. Allegro, his, uh, his belief in a wildly popular book that uh, it was Amanita Mascara, a hallucinogenic fungus, which isn't that hallucinogenic from what I've heard, uh, that gave birth to the Christian church. And how did he get to this conclusion? By why, of course, consulting the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, Robert Eisenman decides that uh, James is the wonderful priest in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and uh, St. Paul, of course, is the wicked priest. Uh, consult uh, my other recording, St. Paul versus the Buttholes, for more information on that, because, of course, everybody decides that's how it is. Jacob Teacher of Cambridge claims that Jesus was the teacher of righteousness, and St. Paul, the wicked priest. And everybody wants to say, oh, yeah, Dude, totally, the Dead Sea Scrolls, they back up what I want to say. And the Christian church, honestly, does fall into that trap. We do this occasionally. We shouldn't. The only contribution that is actually there that the Dead Sea Scrolls have ever provided for the Christian church is the idea that the Old Testament that we have in our hands those, uh, a lot of the Masoretic text, a lot of the Septuagint is perfectly reliable because a lot of the copies out there were found in Qumran and the Dead Sea Scrolls cave, whatever. They found it and they said, whoa, they have a complete copy of Isaiah here that's pretty much word for word what the Masoretic text said, which means that their textual traditions, their textual disciplines and everything were reliable. That's it. That's all we should ever say about the Dead Sea Scrolls. And I'm going to demonstrate why. Because, believe it or not, the Qumran community, whether or not they were actually connected to the Essene community, the Qumran community was not, as uh, some conspiracy bros would say, sorry, it's a little hard to keep my, uh, my mouth on straight for a lot of this stuff because it is irritating. They were not the guardians of the real truth, man. They were not the people writing the books that totally should have made it into the Bible, except that Emperor Constantine had the Bible censored, dude. 
No, I'm going to tell you right now, the Qumran community was a wicked cult full of ungodly men that had no business whatsoever laying any claim whatsoever to real religious truth. And I'm surprised that nobody has said this before, but this was a community of dirtbags who thought that they could not only take the Bible and lord their own authority over it, they also decided to mangle the text and add Bible fan fiction all over the place that made them feel like, well, they were a legitimate group. This is Qumran. This is the Dead Sea Scrolls. This is what everybody says. Oh man, totally, you need, to, you need to read the war scroll, or you need to read that scroll, or this scroll. You need to totally read it. Well, guess what? We're going to read the entire stinking thing here because I am tired of hearing that this is what we need to base our truth claims on. I am tired of hearing people say that, well, if, you, if only you heard about those discoveries in Qumran, dude. Fine. Let's go ahead and read it and find out exactly what it was that they were saying and evaluate it based on biblical, honest biblical standards here. So we're going to start off with the community rule. Again, this is going to be a series here. I'm going to be reading it and commenting on it throughout this whole thing, throughout this series, uploading it to our SoundCloud account. And we're going to see just how great or not Qumran was. Again, keep in mind, I got a low opinion of him, and I'm, my mission here is to show you why. There's a reason that these people were around between 100 BC and 100 AD, more or less not influencing anything the same way the Essenes did. But let's go ahead and start it off with the community rule document of the Qumran community. <clears throat> One QS. The master shall teach the saints to live according to the book of the community rule, that they may seek God with a whole heart and soul, and to do what is good and right before him as he commanded by the hand of Moses and all his servants, the prophets, that they may love all that he has chosen and hate all that he has rejected, that they may abstain from all evil and hold fast to all good, that they may practice truth, righteousness and justice upon earth and no longer stubbornly follow a sinful heart and lustful eyes committing all manner of evil. He shall admit into the covenant of grace all those who have freely devoted themselves to the observance of God's precepts, that they may be joined to the counsel of God and may live perfectly before him in accordance with all that has been revealed concerning their appointed times, and that they may love all the sons of light each according to his lot in God's design, and hate all the sons of darkness, each according to his guilt in God's vengeance. So we're going to stop right there. That's the first, like, ten lines of 1QS, that document. First off, you're going to hear a lot of things that sound really righteousy and sound very religion-y, like righteousness, grace, and covenant. You're going to hear a community rule. You're going to hear all these callbacks to Moses and the prophets. But keep in mind, as a Lutheran, I believe in law and gospel. These people don't. They believe in law and more law. Don't be fooled when you hear them say, oh, he shall admit into the covenant of grace. Why? Because what is grace? Grace is unmerited favor by God. 
He gives us the good that we do not deserve. And its counterpart is mercy. He does not give us the punishments and the bad things that we do deserve. But when the Qumran community or the Essenes, whoever these people really were, when they talk about the covenant of grace, um, it says, well, what's the point of it? That they may be joined to the counsel of God and may live perfectly before him in accordance with all that has been revealed concerning their appointed times. And that they may love all the sons of light, each according to his lot and God's design, and hate all the sons of darkness, each according to his guilt and God's vengeance. So, in Qumran, your covenant of grace, uh, sorry Calvin bros, your covenant of grace includes be perfect and also love your sons of light, the good guys, and hate the bad guys. By the way, of course, the leader of the Qumran community is going to be the one determining who is who. Now, why is that bad? Because there is zero grace in that. Unless you want to say that the mere smidgen, sliver, dust particle of grace in here is God letting you be in this impossible situation where you're obeying all of these commandments and being quote-unquote perfect, uh, well, there you go. That's the amount of grace? Is God saying, yes, you are hereby permitted to do your best to be perfect, or else, by the way. Hmm, okay. Well, let's keep reading. All those who freely devote themselves to his truth shall bring all their knowledge, powers, and possessions into the community of God that they may purify their knowledge in the truth of God's precepts and order their powers according to his ways of perfection and all their possessions according to his righteous counsel. They shall not depart from any command of God concerning their times. They shall be neither early nor late for any of their appointed times. They shall stray neither to the right nor to the left of any of his true precepts. All those who embrace the community rule shall enter into the covenant before God to obey all his commandments so that they may not abandon him during the dominion of Belial because of fear or terror or affliction. Okay, these people did live a communistic lifestyle. They shared everything in common, which doesn't make sense. Because if they're supposedly all about the law of God, and if they're going to be doing all these callbacks to Moses, remember, the seventh commandment is you shall not steal. If nobody owns anything... And if God doesn't want you to own anything, then it's impossible to steal from your brother, your sons of light brother guy. But that's okay, right? In fact, fun fact, the church did try this, probably because there was a popular conception of the Essene community working out pretty well. The church had everything in common in chapters 2 and 4 of the book of Acts, and it didn't work. There was a lot of problems because of it, and they abandoned that. Early church made a mistake trying to live this uh, kind of communistic, everybody owns everything together, has it all in common. That doesn't work. Ah, but in Qumran, not only when you enter into this community are you supposed to give them all your stuff, but also you have to do all these commandments, including the ones that, uh, that you kind of can't do anymore because you can no longer steal if nobody in your community owns anything. But um, it says, 
to obey all his commandments so that they may not abandon him during the dominion of Belial because of fear or terror or affliction. So these were eschatological thinkers who believed that there was an end times coming up real soon. Uh, a dominion of Belial is a, a period of bad stuff happening. And by the way, unless you've been perfectly following all these commandments, you're going to end up apostatizing and burning in eternal fire. Real merciful religion, isn't it there, this, uh, this Qumran community? But we continue reading. On entering the covenant, the priests and Levites shall bless the God of salvation and all his faithfulness, and all those entering the covenant shall say after them, Amen, Amen. Problem. How many priests were in Qumran? Virtually none of them. I guarantee you there's probably close to zero. Maybe there was one guy who at some point was a priest. But how do we know this? Because during this time that Qumran was standing, so was the temple. Where all the priests were going to be working, you see. <laughs> I highly doubt that uh, priests and Levites were going to be sticking around in this little cult center. Which means, and this will become evident as we keep reading, that they decided who was a priest and a Levite, and it wasn't according to Moses' rules. They play fast and loose with the Bible. We continue. Then the priests shall recite the favors of God manifested in his mighty deeds, and shall declare all his merciful grace to Israel, and the Levites shall recite the iniquities of the children of Israel, all their guilty rebellions and sins during the dominion of Belial. And after them all those entering the covenant shall confess and say, We have strayed, we have disobeyed, we and our fathers before us have sinned and acted wickedly in walking counter to the precepts of truth and righteousness, and God has judged us and our fathers also. But he has bestowed his bountiful mercy on us from everlasting to everlasting. And the priests shall bless all the men of the lot of God who walk perfectly in all his ways, saying, May he bless you with all good and preserve you from all evil. May he lighten your heart with life-giving wisdom and grant you eternal knowledge. May he raise his merciful face toward you for everlasting bliss. But remember the bountiful mercy, guys. The bountiful mercy they're talking about is God being gracious and merciful enough to you to say, now go be perfect. That's the law. The law tells you to be perfect, and these people are regurgitating that. There is zero actual mercy, except that maybe God gives you this one second chance. But as we see in the community rules, we're going to keep reading, they go to psychotic lengths when it comes to punishment. So don't expect mercy from the actual Qumran guys if you joined up one part of their cult. But continuing on. <clears throat> and the Levites shall curse all the men of the lot of Belial, saying, Be cursed because of all your guilty wickedness. May he deliver you up for torture at the hands of the vengeful avengers. May he visit you with destruction by the hand of all the wreakers of revenge. Be cursed without mercy because of the darkness of your deeds. Be damned in the shadowy place of everlasting fire. May God not heed when you call on him, nor pardon you by blotting out your sin. May he raise his angry face toward you for vengeance. May there be no peace for you in the mouth of those who hold fast to the fathers. 
And after the blessing and the cursing, all those entering the covenant shall say, Amen, Amen. And the priests and the Levites shall continue, saying, Cursed be the man who enters this covenant while walking among the idols of his heart, who sets up before himself his stumbling block of sin so that he may backslide. Hearing the words of this covenant, he blesses himself in his heart and says, Peace be with me, even though I walk in the stubbornness of my heart. Whereas his spirit, parched for lack of truth and watered with lies, shall be destroyed without pardon. God's wrath and his zeal for his precepts shall consume him in everlasting destruction. All the curses of the covenant shall cling to him, and God will set him apart for evil. He shall be cut off from the midst of all the sons of light, because and because he has turned aside from God on account of his idols and his stumbling block of sin, his lot shall be among those who are cursed forever. And after them, all those entering the covenant shall answer and say, Amen, Amen. So, for all these guys who talk about grace and mercy, um, they're pretty happy to hear about and pronounce damnation on everybody else. Because, spoiler alert, the sons of light, that motif we're going to see in the Dead Sea Scrolls, that applies pretty much just to the guys who wrote the Dead Sea Scrolls. They thought they were the elect of God. Period. Full stop. That's it. Just them. End of story. Which means everybody else, they wanted to go to hell. Not thought they were. No, they were praying for God to damn these people. Now, as a Christian, what do we hear from God? That he has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. So it says in Ezekiel, that who wills that everybody should be saved. That's what the epistles say. So... What's with the bad attitude? What's got these Qumran guys so mad? Well, let's find out. But only after we read a whole lot more of these rules, right? Thus they shall, shall, thus shall they do year by year for as long as the dominion of Belial endures. The priests shall enter first, ranked one after another, according to the perfection of their spirit. Then the Levites, and thirdly, all the people, one after another, in their thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, that every Israelite may know his place in the community of God according to the everlasting design. No man shall move down from his place, nor move up from his allotted position. For according to the holy design, they shall all of them be in a community of truth and virtuous humility, of loving kindness and good intent one towards the other. And they shall all of them be sons of the everlasting company. Fun fact, when we hear about this division between thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens, uh, in the Qumran graveyard in this area, archaeologists found, I believe, about 1,100 bodies. Now, as this community was together between 100 BC and 180, that means there was never more than like 150, 200 guys in here. But that's beside the point, you see. They had some grand designs for the future here. They were expansionist. They were aggressively expansionist. So much so that they sat there in Qumran, dreaming up what was going to happen in the eschaton. And they were, they were ready, you see. They were ready, just like the NRX bro, who's like, listen, once that, once that society collapses, we are going to have the bestest monarchy ever. Roman Catholic monarchy, just, we're going to rule. 
but I digress. Continuing on. <clears throat> no man shall be in the community of his truth who refuses to enter the covenant of God, so that he may walk in the stubbornness of his heart. For his soul detests the wise teaching of just laws. He shall not be counted among the upright, for he has not persisted in the conversion of his life. His knowledge, powers, and possessions shall not enter the council of the community, for whoever plows the mud of wickedness returns defiled. He shall not be justified by that which his stubborn heart declares lawful, for seeking the ways of light, he looks towards darkness. He shall not be reckoned among the perfect. He shall neither be purified by atonement, nor cleansed by purifying waters, nor sanctified by seas and rivers, nor washed clean with any ablution. Unclean, unclean shall he be, for as long as he despises the precepts of God, he shall receive no instruction in the community of his counsel. For it is through the spirit of true counsel concerning the ways of man that all his sins shall be expiated, that he may contemplate the light of life. He shall be cleansed from all his sins by the spirit of holiness uniting him to his truth, and his iniquity shall be expiated by the spirit of uprightness and humility. And when his flesh is sprinkled with purifying water and sanctified by cleansing water, it shall be made clean by the humble submission of his soul to all the precepts of God. Let him then order his steps to walk perfectly in all the ways commanded by God concerning the times appointed for him straying neither to the right nor to the left, and transgressing none of his words. And he shall be accepted by virtue of a pleasing atonement before God, and it shall be to him a covenant of the everlasting community. You want to be saved, pal? Give us all your stuff. And promise to be perfect for the rest of your life. That's what Qumran was about. Now, by the way, there is a theory that John the Baptist was originally one a member of the Essene community, or potentially someone affiliated with Qumran. If that's the case, John the Baptist skipped town and left, probably screaming in terror at how that community was run. Because when we hear about him baptizing people in the Jordan, he was willing to baptize just about everybody. And nowhere do we hear him say, Oh, yes, this baptism is for the forgiveness of your sins. This is for a new life. This is for the preparation of the kingdom of God. Now, give me all your stuff. And if you don't, uh, there can be no atonement for you, sir. We don't hear nothing like that from John the Baptist. If he was a former member, and there is some good evidence to suggest that he was at least acquainted with them, then this sprinkling of water and stuff like that is clearly John the Baptist doing what you're supposed to do with baptism, not the way the Qumran and Essene community mangled it. But I digress. Let's continue on here. The master shall instruct all the sons of light and shall teach them the nature of all the children of men. Oh, wait, wait. Yes, sorry. The master shall instruct all the sons of light and shall teach them the nature of all the children of men according to the kind of spirit which they possess, the signs identifying their works during their lifetime, their visitation for chastisement, and the time of their reward. From the God of knowledge comes all that is and shall be. Before ever they existed, he established their whole design, and when 
as ordained for them, they come into being, it is in accord with his glorious design that they accomplish their task without change. The laws of all things are in his hand, and he provides them with all their needs. He has created man to govern the world, and he has appointed for him two spirits in which to walk until the time of his visitation, the spirits of truth and injustice. Oh, those born of truth spring from a fountain of light, but those born of injustice spring from a source of darkness. All the children of righteousness are ruled by the prince of light and walk in the ways of light, but all the children of injustice are ruled by the angel of darkness and walk in the ways of darkness. The angel of darkness leads all the children of righteousness astray, and until his end all their sin, iniquities, wickedness, and all their unlawful deeds are caused by his dominion in accordance with the mysteries of God. Every one of their chastisements and every one of the seasons of their distress shall be brought about by the rule of his persecution. For all his allotted spirits seek the overthrow of the sons of light. But the God of Israel and his angel of truth will succor all the sons of light. For it is he who created the spirits of light and darkness, and founded every action upon them, and established every deed upon their ways. And he loves the one everlastingly, and delights in its work forever. But the counsel of the other he loathes, and forever hates its ways. Why do good people sin? Oh, it's not original sin, you see. It's not the original sin as taught by Romans chapter 5. It's not the, the sin in our hearts that is like a fungus. It is not our uncircumcised hearts before our baptism. Oh, no, 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 no. Well, either your daddy was the sons, the prince of light or your daddy was the angel of darkness. And if you're one of these people out there who was born by the angel of light, um, that just means <laughs> if you sin, it ain't your fault, pal. It's not your fault at all. It's, it's that bad dude over there causing you to sin. It's not your dark heart. Simultaneously, this cult here has decided that at once your sins are not your fault, but also it's your responsibility to be perfect. Really graceful, isn't it? Really merciful, isn't it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But we'll continue. These are their ways in the world for the enlightenment of the heart of man, so, and so that all the paths of true righteousness may be made straight before him, and so that the fear of the laws of God may be instilled in his heart, a spirit of humility, patience, abundant charity, unending goodness, understanding and intelligence, a spirit of mighty wisdom, which trusts in all the deeds of God and leans on his great loving kindness, a spirit of discernment in every purpose, of zeal for just laws, of holy intent with steadfastness of heart, of great charity towards all the sons of truth, of admirable purity which detests all unclean idols, of humble conduct sprung from an understanding of all things, and of faithful concealment of the mysteries of truth. These are the counsels of the Spirit to the sons of truth in this world. And as for the visitation of all who walk in this spirit, it shall be healing, great peace, and a long life and fruitfulness, together with every everlasting blessing and eternal joy in life without end, a crown of glory and a garment of majesty and unending light. But the ways of the spirit of falsehood are these, greed and slackness in the search for righteousness, wickedness and lies, haughtiness and pride, falseness and deceit, cruelty and abundant evil, ill temper, in much folly and brazen insolence, abominable deeds committed in a spirit of lust and ways of lewdness and the service of uncleanness, a blaspheming tongue, blindness of the eye and dullness of the ear, stiffness of neck 
and heaviness of heart, so that man walks in all the ways of darkness and guile. Fun fact, by the way, when they talk about lust and lewdness, um, by most accounts, especially Josephus, I believe, the Essenes didn't do marriage. They wanted a celibate community of men, and whenever they needed more guys or babies to be born, they, uh, they hired women to be surrogate mothers. So, um, I, I guess every now and then one guy would just have to take one for the team and sully himself with a woman or something. Um, you know, Valsell cult, there we go. Let's continue reading. And the visitation of all who walk in this spirit shall be a multitude of plagues by the hand of all the destroying angels, everlasting damnation by the avenging wrath of the fury of God, eternal torment and endless disgrace, together with shameful extinction and the fire of the dark regions. The times of all their generations shall be spent in sorrowful mourning and in bitter misery and in calamities of darkness until they are destroyed without remnant or survivor. The nature of all the children of men is ruled by these two spirits, and during their life all the hosts of men have a portion of their divisions and walk in both their ways. And the whole reward for their deeds shall be for everlasting ages according to whether each man's portion in their two divisions is great or small. For God has established the spirits in equal measure until the final age, and has set everlasting hatred between their divisions. Truth abhors the works of injustice, and injustice hates all the ways of truth. And their struggle is fierce in all their arguments, for they do not walk together. But in the mysteries of his understanding and in his glorious wisdom, God has ordained an end for injustice. And at the time of the visitation, he will destroy it forever. Then truth, which has wallowed in the ways of wickedness during the dominion of injustice until the appointed time of judgment, shall arise in the world forever. God will then purify every deed of man with his truth. He will refine for himself the human frame by rooting out all spirit of injustice from the bounds of his flesh. He will cleanse him of all wicked deeds with the spirit of holiness. Like purifying waters, he will shed upon him the spirit of truth to cleanse him of all abomination and injustice. And he shall be plunged into the spirit of purification that he may instruct the upright in the knowledge of the Most High and teach the wisdom of the sons of heaven to the perfect of way. For God has chosen them for an everlasting covenant, and all the glory of Adam shall be theirs. There shall be no more lies, and all the works of injustice shall be put to shame. It's really interesting that these guys were, um, you might want to call them like proto-fundy Baptists, except with a more Calvinistic understanding of election. That God, it's not that God created you, it's that God kind of created you secondhand, and it's really one of these um, one of these spirits that really made your soul, and that's what determines your election. And spoiler alert: in a, in a while, not this recording, we'll find out that how they determined who was elect and who was not elect, who was a son of light, who was a son of darkness. It was astrology. This community did astrology. But continuing on. Until now, the spirits of truth and injustice struggle in the hearts of men, and they walk in both wisdom and folly. According to his portion of truth, so does a man hate injustice, and according to his inheritance in the realm of injustice, so is he wicked, and so hates truth. For God has established the two spirits in equal measure until the determined end. <laughs> These guys that God was the source of evil. <laughs> and until the renewal, and he knows the reward of their deeds from all eternity. 
He has allotted them to the children of men that they may know good and evil and that the destiny of all the living may be according to the spirit within them at the time of the visitation. So before we continue on again, I really want to put that in there that God specifically orders people to be born in either a good soul or under a good spirit or a bad spirit. He has foreordained, according to the Qumran community, all the evil that they would do. This is what is referred to oftentimes, and maybe a little bit inaccurately, but not that much, hyper-Calvinism. Like we're, we're in the point territory of like nine point Calvinism, the, the guys out there that might say, oh yeah, God wants evil and God desires people to do evil, so he ordained it. Most Calvinists listening to this are probably vomiting. And now we get to the next section here, uh, section five, and this is the rule for the men of the community who have freely pledged themselves to be converted from all evil and to cling to all his commandments according to his will. They shall separate from the congregation of the men of injustice and shall unite with respect to the law and possessions under the authority of the sons of Zadok, the priests who keep the covenant, and of the multitude of the men of the community who hold fast to the covenant. Every decision concerning doctrine, property, and justice shall be determined by them. Great. So now you have to be uh, under complete and total hyper-authority of a spiritual head. Not only are they looking at a, a Calvinist perspective, a super hyper duper Calvinist perspective, but also a Catholic one, except something that puts the, sh the Pope to shame. So you see, it's the idea that you have to submit yourself entirely to one guy and maybe some of his, uh, his employees, right? And whatever merits Roman Catholicism might have for having a, uh, a bishop that is first among equals, as he originally was, um, this idea here is like hyper-papism. So hyper-papist, hyper-hyper-Calvinists. That's Qumran. These are these dudes that are giving us the Bible that Constantine won't let us have, but I digress. They shall practice truth and humility in common and justice and uprightness and charity and modesty in all their ways. No man shall walk in the stubbornness of his heart so that he strays after his heart and eyes and evil inclination, but he shall circumcise in the community the foreskin of evil inclination and stiffness of neck that they may lay a foundation of truth for Israel, for the community of the everlasting covenant. They shall atone for all those in Aaron who have freely pledged themselves to holiness and for those in Israel who have freely pledged themselves to the house of truth, and for those who join them to live in community and to take part in the trial and judgment and condemnation of all those who transgress the precepts. On joining the community, this shall be their code of behavior with respect to all these precepts. Whoever approaches the council of the community shall enter the covenant of God in the presence of all who have freely pledged themselves. He shall undertake by a binding oath to return with all his heart and soul to every commandment of the law of Moses in accordance with all that has been revealed of it to the sons of Zadok, the priests, keepers of the covenant and seekers of his will, and to the multitude of the men of their covenant who together have freely pledged themselves to his truth and to walking in the way of his delight. And he shall undertake by the covenant to separate from all the men of injustice who walk in the way of wickedness, for they are not reckoned in his covenant. They have neither inquired nor sought after him concerning his laws, that they might know the hidden things in which they have sinfully erred, and matters revealed they have treated with insolence. 
Therefore, wrath shall rise up to condemn, and vengeance shall be executed by the curses of the covenant, and great chastisements of eternal destruction shall be visited on them, leaving no remnant. They shall not enter the water to partake of the pure meal of the men of holiness, for they shall not be cleansed unless they turn from their wickedness. For all who transgress his word are unclean. Likewise, no man shall consort with them in regard to his work or property, lest he be burdened with the guilt of his sin. He shall indeed keep away from him in all things, as it is written, keep away from all that is false. That's Exodus 23, verse 7, by the way. No member of the community shall follow them in matters of doctrine and justice, or eat or drink anything of theirs, or take anything from them except for a price. As it is written, keep away from the man in whose nostrils is breath, wherein is he counted, Isaiah 2, verse 22. For all those not reckoned in his covenant are to be set apart together with all that is theirs. None of the men of holiness shall lean upon works of vanity, for they are all vanity who know not his covenant. And he will blot from the world all them that despise his word. All their deeds are defilement before him, and all their property unclean. So you might hear, like I said, there's a lot of religious-y sounding, religion-y, Christian-y type stuff in here. Because these people were reading the Bible. They were mutilating it. There's a whole lot of falseness. But it is true that, yes, there is a hell. There is a heaven. Um, the people who belong to God through faith in Jesus Christ, who are baptized believers in Jesus, relying upon him alone for salvation, those people go to heaven. And they will be resurrected in the new earth for eternal blessedness. Those people who don't fit into that camp are damned. It's that simple. But for Qumran, as we've been covering, they're looking at this as an excruciating us versus them. To the point where they really believe that theirs was the only group that could potentially possibly maybe be saved. That's psychotic. And it is not in keeping with the word or the spirit of the word, especially because they are adding to Moses' law and acting like that is the super commandments. And we know that Jesus Christ condemns the Pharisees and the Sadducees for adding to God's word with traditions. If there had been a point in the Gospels when Christ went to Qumran and interacted with this community, he would have said far more of the same and probably even harsher towards these guys than he ever did to the Pharisees or the Sadducees. But, keeping on here. But when a man enters the covenant to walk according to all these precepts, that he may be joined to the holy congregation, they shall examine his spirit and community with respect to his understanding and practice of the law, under the authority of the sons of Aaron, who have freely pledged themselves in the community to restore his covenant and to heed all the precepts commanded by him. And the multitude of Israel, who have freely pledged themselves in the community to return to his covenant, they shall inscribe them in order, one after another, according to their understanding and their deeds, that everyone may obey his companion, the man of lesser rank obeying his superior. And they shall examine their spirit and deeds yearly, so that each man may be advanced in accordance with his understanding and perfection of the way, or moved down in accordance with his distortions. They shall rebuke one another in truth, humility, and charity. Let no man address his companion with anger or ill temper or obduracy or with envy prompted by the spirit of wickedness. 
Let him not hate him because of his uncircumcised heart, but let him rebuke him on the very same day, lest he incur guilt because of him. And furthermore, let no man accuse his companion before the congregation without having admonished him in the presence of witnesses. Mixing truth with lies. It is true, yes. Galatians 6, verse 1, if your brother is caught in any trespass, you confront them gently. Matthew 18, you bring in witnesses, and this is also covered in the Mosaic Law, absolutely. But then let's mix in with that um, hyper-hierarchy that each member of the Qumran community is either above or below somebody else and can be either push down people who are below them, you know, just push them around, or people that are above them get to push them around. Very orderly. These are the ways in which all of them shall walk, each man with his companion, wherever they dwell. The man of lesser rank shall obey the greater in matters of work and money, and they shall eat in common and bless in common and deliberate in common. Wherever there are ten men of the council of the community, there shall not lack a priest among them, and they shall all sit before him according to their rank and shall be asked their counsel in all things in that order. And when the table has been prepared for eating and the new wine for drinking, the priest shall be the first to stretch out his hand to bless the first fruits of the bread and new wine. And where the ten are, there shall never lack a man among them who shall study the law continually day and night concerning the right conduct of a man with his companion. And the congregation shall watch in community for a third of every night of the year to read the book and to study the law and to bless together. This is the rule for an assembly of the congregation. Each man shall sit in his place, the priests shall sit first, and the elders second, and all the rest of the people according to their rank. And thus shall they be questioned concerning the law, and concerning any counsel or matter coming before the congregation, each man bringing his knowledge to the council of the community. No man shall interrupt a companion before his speech has ended, nor speak before a man of higher rank. Each man shall speak in his turn. And in an assembly of the congregation, no man shall speak without the consent of the congregation, nor indeed of the guardian of the congregation. Should any man wish to speak to the congregation, yet not be in a position to question the counsel of the community, let him rise to his feet and say, I have something to say to the congregation. If they command him to speak, he shall speak. How nice. Every man born of Israel who freely pledges himself to join the counsel of the community shall be examined by the guardian at the head of the congregation concerning his understanding and his deeds. If he is fitted to the discipline, he shall admit him into the covenant that he may be converted to the truth and depart from all injustice, and he shall instruct him in all the rules of the community. And later, when he comes to stand before the congregation, they shall all deliberate his case. And according to the decision of the council of the congregation, he shall either enter or depart. After he has entered the council of the community, he shall not touch the pure meal of the congregation until one full year is completed, and until he has been examined concerning his spirit and deeds, nor shall he have any share of the property of the congregation. Then, when he has completed one year within the community, the congregation shall deliberate his case with regard to his understanding and observance of the law. And if it be his destiny... According to the judgment of the priests and the multitude of the men of their covenant to enter the company of the community, his property and earnings shall be handed over to the bursar of the congregation, who shall register it to his account and shall not spend it for the congregation. He shall not touch the drink of the congregation until he has completed a second year among the men of the community, but when the second year is passed, he shall be examined. 
And if it be his destiny, according to the judgment of the congregation, to enter the community, then he shall be inscribed among his brethren in the order of his rank for the law, and for justice, and for the pure meal. His property shall be merged, and he shall offer his counsel and judgment to the community. Oh, so you got to earn your communism. You turn in all your stuff, and they're going to hold it for a year, and then uh, maybe you can eat with these guys. I don't know how you're going to eat before then, but you know, you'll figure it out. And then you get a second year, and maybe you can drink some stuff with us, and then uh, now your stuff is even doubly so totally ours. Great. You know, this, this is beginning to sound a little bit like orthodoxy, where you have the inquirer, catechumen, and then, you know, standard orthodox convert model of let's make you wait a long time and go through all of this, except it's also hyper-orthodox now, where not only are we the one true church, not only are we the one true Israel here, but in addition to that, we are also the one true Aaronic Zadokite priesthood. And by the way, um, we're going to make you go through poverty and suffering before you get to enter into this super gracious covenant. You know, they better get to the cool stuff like the first impact before I start losing my patience with these people. We're going to read all of this. Don't get me wrong. But for every one like cool sounding thing in there, there's like a million things like this. Kind of. There's a lot of stuff that sounds cool but isn't. Let's keep going. These are the rules by which they shall judge at a community court of inquiry according to the cases. If one of them has lied deliberately in matters of property, he shall be excluded from the pure meal of the congregation for one year and shall do penance with respect to one quarter of his food. Ah, now we're getting to the punishments. So remember, grace and mercy, guys. Tons of grace, tons of mercy. Punishments that include taking your food. Quarter of your food for a whole year. Why? Because you told a little lie concerning property. Really great guys, really merciful, really gracious, right? But continuing on, whoever has answered his companion with obstinacy or has addressed him impatiently, going so far as to take no account of the dignity of his fellow by disobeying the order of a brother inscribed for him, he has taken the law into his own hand. Therefore, he shall do penance for one year and shall be excluded. What does that even mean? That is wordly so broaded. Oh, you answered somebody with obstinacy. Psh, one year exile, sir. <laughs> and by the way, if you refuse this punishment, you're going to hell. <laughs> if any man has uttered the most venerable name, even though frivolously, or as a result of shock, or for any other reason whatever, while reading the book or blessing, he shall be dismissed, and shall return to the council of the community no more. Ah, the most venerable name. So if you say God's name ever, permanent banishment. Got it, I, I guess. Um, if he has spoken in anger against one of the priests inscribed in the book, he shall do penance for one year and shall be excluded for his soul's sake for the, from the pure meal of the congregation. But if he has spoken unwittingly, he shall do penance for six months. So uh, it does seem, by the way, when they talk about the pure meal of the congregation, it sounds just a little bit like how uh, Christians handle communion. 
where we uh, do enact church discipline based on uh, permitting somebody to the Lord's table or not. Uh, but one of my problems with uh, ministers wielding that sword of either admitting somebody to communion or not doing it is because it's a little too Qumrani for my uh, for my taste here. Let me take a sip of coffee. Mm. This episode of the Very Lutheran Project is brought to you by Folgers. Folgers reps, hit me up. I'd love to do a sponsorship with you. But continuing on here, uh, whoever is deliberately lied shall do penance for six months. Whoever is deliberately insulted his companion unjustly shall do penance for one year and shall be excluded. Whoever is deliberately deceived his companion by word or by deed shall do penance for six months. If he has failed to care for his companion, he shall do penance for three months. But if he has failed to care for the property of the community, thereby causing its loss, he shall restore it in full. And if he be unable to restore it, he shall do penance for 60 days. Whoever has borne malice against his companion unjustly shall do penance for six months or one year. And likewise, whoever has taken revenge in any matter, whatever. Whoever has spoken foolishly three months. Whoever has interrupted his companion while speaking ten days. Whoever has lain down to sleep during an assembly of the congregation thirty days. Uh, Calvin Geneva style here. If you missed any one of Calvin's daily sermons and church services... Uh, you better have a good reason or else it's the stockade for you, buster. And likewise, whoever has left without reason an assembly of the congregation as many as three times during one assembly shall do penance for ten days. But if he has departed while they were standing, he shall do penance for thirty days. Whoever has gone naked before his companion without having been obliged to do so, he shall do penance for six months. Obliged to do so. Uh, excuse me, sir, I didn't tell you to walk naked in front of me, and you are my inferior, so time for some penance, bud. When I want to see me some man butt, it's better be on my terms, got it? Uh, whoever has spat in an assembly of the congregation shall do penance for 30 days. Whoever has been so poorly dressed that when drawing his hand from beneath his garment, his nakedness has been seen, he shall do penance for 30 days. Whoever is guffawed foolishly shall do penance for 30 days. Hey, bud, that laugh there. I don't like that laugh. 30 days penance. Whoever has drawn out his left hand to gesticulate with it shall do penance for 10 days. <laughs> Excuse me. In this free country, we salute with the right hand, not with the left. Time to do some penance there, pal. You used the wrong hand. Whoever has gone about slandering his companion shall be excluded from the pure meal of the congregation for one year and shall do penance. But whoever has slandered the congregation shall be expelled from among them and shall return no more. Whoever has murmured against the authority of the community shall be expelled and shall not return, of course. But if he has murmured against his companion unjustly, he shall do penance for six months. Should a man return whose spirit has so trembled before the authority of the community that he has betrayed the truth and walked in the stubbornness of his heart, he shall do penance for two years. During the first year, he shall not touch the pure meal of the congregation, and during the second year, he shall not touch the drink of the congregation and shall sit below all the men of the community. Then when his two years are completed, the congregation shall consider his case. And if he is admitted, he shall be inscribed in his rank and may then question concerning the law. If, after being in the council of the community for ten full years, the spirit of any man has failed, 
so that he has betrayed the community and departed from the congregation to walk in the stubbornness of his heart, he shall return no more to the council of the community. Moreover, if any member of the community has shared with him his food or property, which of the congregation, um, his sentence shall be the same. He shall be expelled. Did you share food with that guy that left us? Were you nice to him? One million years dungeon! Look at these control freaks. Adding to the word of God, adding to the law of God, as if the law of God was already, just wasn't hard enough already. Let's make it to where if you, if you gave your food to a guy that we don't like, exiled forever, one million years dungeon. Goodness gracious. Section eight. In the council of the community, there shall be 12 men and three priests, perfectly versed in all that is revealed of the law, whose works shall be truth, righteousness, justice, loving, kindness, and humility. They shall preserve the faith in the land with steadfastness and meekness and shall atone for sin by the practice of justice and by suffering the sorrows of affliction. They shall... <clears throat> Sorry for that interruption. Loving kindness and humility, they shall preserve the faith in the land with steadfastness and meekness and shall atone for sin by the practice of justice and by suffering the sorrows of affliction. They shall walk with all men according to the standard of truth and the rule of the time. They shall walk with all men according to the standard of the truth and the rule of the time, it says. Sorry for the interruption. Gotta pause it every now and then, but really don't feel like editing this all that much. When these are in Israel, the council of the community shall be established in truth. It shall be an everlasting plantation, a house of holiness for Israel, an assembly of supreme holiness for Aaron. They shall be witnesses to the truth at the judgment, and it shall be the elect of goodwill who shall atone for the land and pay to the wicked their reward. Oh, sweetening the deal here. You get to be the one torturing people and killing them. Woo! It shall be that tried wall, that precious cornerstone, whose foundation shall neither rock nor sway in their place. It shall be a most holy dwelling for Aaron with everlasting knowledge of the covenant of justice, and shall offer up sweet fragrance. It shall be a house of perfection and truth in Israel, that they may establish a covenant according to the everlasting precepts. And they shall be an agreeable offering, atoning for the land and determining the judgment of wickedness, and there shall be no more iniquity." When they have been confirmed for two years in perfection of the way, of way in the foundation of the community, they shall be set apart as holy within the council of the men of the community. And the interpreter shall not conceal from them, out of fear of the spirit of apostasy, any of those things hidden from Israel which have been discovered by him. And when these become members of the community of, in Israel, according to all these rules, they shall separate from the habitation of unjust men, and shall go into the wilderness to prepare the way of him." As it is written, prepare in the wilderness the way of the Lord, make straight in the, in the desert a path for our God. Uh, Isaiah 40, verse 3. This path is the study of the law which he has commanded by the hand of Moses, that they may do according to all that has been revealed from age to age, and as the prophets have revealed by his Holy Spirit. Uh, clearly they get it wrong. Um, mostly because uh, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare in the wilderness the path of the Lord. Um, obviously, that guy is John the Baptist. These guys think it's uh, studying the law, which they were really bad at. 
Continuing on. And no man among the members of the covenant of the community who deliberately on any point whatever turns aside from all that is commanded shall touch the pure meal of the men of holiness or know anything of their counsel until his deeds are purified from all injustice and he walks in perfection of way. And then, according to the judgment of the congregation, he shall be admitted to the council and shall be inscribed in his rank. This rule shall apply to whoever enters the community. So a little bit earlier, I talked about how there is church discipline regarding the pastor of a congregation admitting or refusing admittance to somebody who is in sin to the table. That is, again, it's good. You really do have to advise people. You really have to tell them, listen, I don't want you eating and drinking the judgment of God on yourself for your impenitent sin. This is different. This is if you make any mistake whatsoever, oh boy, man, are your 10 days up yet? Did you look at your superior funny? Oh, looks like you're, uh, you're in punishment there, buddy. You can't go to the pure meal. It's nuts. It's crazy. <clears throat> and these are the rules which the men of perfect holiness shall follow in their commerce with one another. Every man who enters the council of holiness, the council of those who walk in the way of perfection as commanded by God, and who deliberately or through negligence transgress one word of the law of Moses on any point whatever, shall be expelled from the council of the community and shall return no more. Hmm. No man of holiness shall be associated in his property or counsel in any matter at all. But if he has acted inadvertently, he shall be excluded from the pure meal in the council, and they shall interpret the rule as follows. For two years he shall take no part in judgment or ask for counsel. But if during that time his way becomes perfect, then he shall return to the court of inquiry and the council, in accordance with the judgment of the congregation, provided that he commit no further inadvertent sin during two full years. No more accidents. No more going poo-poo on the rug. But as for him who has sinned deliberately, he shall never return. Only the man who has sinned inadvertently shall be tried for two years, that his way in counsel may be made perfect according to the judgment of the congregation. And afterwards, he shall be inscribed in his rank in the community of holiness. When these become members of the community in Israel, according to all these rules, they shall establish the spirit of holiness according to everlasting truth. They shall atone for guilty rebellion and for sins of unfaithfulness, that they may obtain loving kindness for the land without the flesh of holocausts and the fat of sacrifice. Hmm. Interesting. So here they are all about the law. But they're saying that there won't be sacrifices, that they could do this and, and fulfill the expiation of the land. I wonder if that's because these people weren't allowed to do sacrifices. Hmm. Seems just a little bit to me like these really weren't actually members of the Aaronic priesthood. Feels a little LARPy, doesn't it? No, but continuing on. And prayer rightly offered shall be as an acceptable fragrance of righteousness and perfection of way as a delectable free will offering. At that time, the men of the community shall set apart a house of holiness in order that it may be united to the most holy things in a house of community for Israel, for those who walk in perfection. The sons of Aaron alone shall command in matters of justice and property, and every rule concerning the men of the community shall be determined according to their word. Now, 
that is another big no-no. Why? Because the law of Moses gives commandments for who could be king, who could be priest, who could be prophet. You know, prophets are invitation only. God is the one who invites somebody to be a prophet and tells them, all right, send out my message to the children of Israel. God also sets up the Aaronic house, the priests. It's by blood. It's by birth. And then the uh, Levites who are assistants to the priests since they share the same tribe. But political matters were first done by judges that God appointed and then by a Davidic kingdom, which God promised to restore. And here these cats are saying, no, 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 no. It's going to be 100% theocracy, baby. 100% ironic priesthood rule in every single matter of everything. They are going to be our judges. They are going to be our property managers. They are going to be our guys that do everything. They're going to be the guys talking really fast in the auction house with a hammer. They're going to be knocking on that table. They're going to be telling us exactly what to do and what not to do because we want them in charge and by the way even though we are not them we have decided that we are them that's how we roll baby Qumran Woo! you might wonder why I sound so mad at a cult that's been dead now for 1900 years and the problem is heresy never dies it never dies if you ever look at the history of the church heresies keep cropping up and cropping up and cropping up and in Qumran they have so many of them thus far collected it's hard not to see these people as a springboard for a whole lot of other problems if you want um, the Pope believing that he's the king of the world and that the priesthood should decide all political matters boom it starts here in Qumran Okay, it started earlier than that, and it's even in the Old Testament. But if you want um, a church with no salvation, or where like you have all these rules, and supposedly there's mercy, supposedly there's grace and love, we have a lot of churches like that. Your hyperfire and brimstone churches, and your SJW woke left on the other side doing the same stinking thing. It's like they're taking cues from Qumran. Well, you want monastic worship when... When monks were out there among the scholastic theologians claiming that, oh yeah, uh, my monastic vows, that's as good as baptism. If I wasn't baptized, but I was a monk, it, it'd be fine because that's equivalent. Because of look at how holy I am in my monastic order. Guess what? Qumran does that. They And it's going to keep piling on and piling on as we continue reading these Dead Sea Scrolls. And it just doesn't stop. <laughs> but let's keep reading when these become members of the community in israel according to all these rules they still stop wait 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 um i already read that part <clears throat> as for the property of the men of holiness who walk in perfection it shall not be merged with that of the men of injustice who have not purified their life by separating themselves from iniquity and walking in the way of perfection they shall depart from none of the counsels of the law to walk in all the stubbornness of their hearts but shall be ruled by the primitive precepts in which the men of the community were first instructed until there shall come the prophet and the messiahs of Aaron and Israel. Oh, introduction of dual messiah theory here. These are the precepts in which the master shall walk in his commerce with all the living, according to the rule proper to every season and according to the worth of every man. He shall do the will of God according to all that has been revealed from age to age. 
he shall measure out all knowledge discovered throughout the ages together with the precept of the age. <clears throat> he shall separate and weigh the sons of righteousness according to their spirit. He shall hold firmly to the elect of the time according to his will as he has commanded. He shall judge every man according to his spirit. He shall admit him in accordance with the cleanness of his hand and advance him in accordance with his understanding, and he shall love and hate likewise. He shall not rebuke the men of the pit, nor dispute with them. He shall conceal the teaching of the law from men of injustice, but shall impart true knowledge and righteous judgment to those who have chosen the way. Oh, so no longer doing evangelism. Mm-mm. Nope. These men of injustice, they don't get to hear the good news. They don't get to hear the the law that comes from before the good news. Mm -mm. Nope. He shall guide them all in knowledge according to the spirit of each and according to the rule of the age and shall thus instruct them in the mysteries of marvelous truth so that in the midst of the men of the community they may walk perfectly together in all that has been revealed to them. This is the time for the preparation of the way into the wilderness and he shall teach them to do all that is required at that time and to separate from all those who have not turned aside from all injustice. So this guy, the master that they're discussing, is probably uh, the guardian that they discussed earlier, the head honcho, the head teacher, the leader in everything of the Qumran community. These are the rules for conduct of conduct for the master in those times with respect to his loving and hating. Everlasting hatred in a spirit of secrecy for the men of perdition. He shall leave to them wealth and earnings like a slave to his lord and like a poor man to his master. He shall be a man zealous for the precept, whose time is for the day of revenge. He shall, he shall perform the will of God in all his deeds, and in all his dominion as he is commanded. He shall freely delight in all that befalls him, and nothing shall please him save God's will. He shall delight in all the words of his mouth, and shall desire nothing except his command. He shall watch always for the judgment of God, and shall bless his Maker for all his goodness, and declare his mercies in all that befalls. He shall bless him with the offering of the lips at the times ordained by him, at the beginning of the dominion of light, and at its end when it retires to its appointed place, at the beginning of the watches of darkness when he unlocks their storehouse and spreads them out, and also at their end when they retire before the light, when the heavenly lights shine out from the dwelling place of holiness, and also when they retire to the place of glory at the entry of the monthly seasons on the days of the new moon, and also at their end when they succeed to one another, their renewal is a great day for the holy of holies, and a sign for the unlocking of everlasting mercies at the beginning of seasons in all times to come. And then we get a, a poem here at the end, and we're going to go ahead and read all of it, hopefully in one fell swoop, unless the spirit of irritation rises up in my soul. Let's see here. <clears throat> at the beginning of the months of the yearly seasons, and on the holy days appointed for remembrance, in their seasons I will bless them with the offering of the lips according to the precept engraved forever. At the beginning of the years, and at the end of their seasons, when their appointed law is fulfilled, on the day decreed by him, that they should pass from one to the other, the season of early harvest to the summertime, the season of sowing to the season of grass, the seasons of years to their weeks of years, and at the beginning of their weeks for the season of jubilee. All my life the engraved precept shall be on my tongue as the fruit of praise in the portion of my lips. 
I will sing with knowledge, and all my music shall be for the glory of God. My lyre and my harp shall sound for his holy order, and I will tune the pipe of my lips to his right measure. With the coming of day and night I will enter the covenant of God, and when evening and morning depart I will recite his decrees. I will place in them my bounds without return. I will declare his judgment concerning my sins, and my transgressions shall be before my eyes as an engraved precept. I will say to God my righteousness, and author of my goodness to the Most High, fountain of knowledge and source of holiness, summit of glory and almighty eternal majesty, I will choose, choose that which he teaches me, and will delight in his judgment of me. Before I move my hands and feet, I will bless his name. I will praise him before I go out or enter or sit or rise, and whilst I lie on the couch of my bed, I will bless him with the offering of that which proceeds from my lips, from the midst of the ranks of men, and before I lift my hands to eat of the pleasant fruits of the earth, I will bless him for his exceeding wonderful deeds. At the beginning of fear and dread, and in the abode of distress and desolation, I will meditate on his power, and will lean on his mercies all day long. I know that judgment of all the living is in his hand, and that all his deeds are truth. I will praise him when distress is unleashed, and will magnify him also because of his salvation. I will pay no man the reward of evil. I will pursue him with goodness, for judgment of all the living is with God, and it is he who will render to man his reward. Unless they look at you funny or gestate with their left, left hand or something, and that ticks you off a little, so you punish them hideously, according to this rule. Anyway, moving on. <clears throat> I will not envy in a spirit of wickedness. My soul shall not desire the riches of violence, except when you're fantasizing about it and asking for God to damn people. I will not grapple with the men of perdition until the day of revenge. But my wrath shall not turn from the men of falsehood, and I will not rejoice until judgment is made. I will bear no rancor against them that turn from transgression, but will have no pity on all who depart from the way. I will offer no comfort to the smitten until their way becomes perfect. I will not keep Belial within my heart, and in my mouth shall be heard no folly or sinful deceit. No cunning or lies shall be found on my lips. The fruit of holiness shall be on my tongue, and no abominations shall be found upon it. I will open my mouth in songs of thanksgiving, and my tongue shall always proclaim the goodness of God and the sin of men until their transgression ends. I will cause vanities to cease from my lips, uncleanness and crookedness from the knowledge of my heart. I will impart and conceal knowledge with discretion, and will prudently hedge it within a firm bound to preserve faith and strong judgment in accordance with the justice of God. I will distribute the precept by the measuring cord of the times, and righteousness and, ever and loving kindness toward the oppressed, encouragement to the troubled heart. <coughs> encouragement to the troubled heart. <coughs> Yep, encouragement to the troubled heart by telling people to be perfect 100% or else you're going to get punished if it's an oopsie or you're going to get banished and told you're going to hell. <clears throat> teaching understanding to them that murmur and discernment to the erring spirit, teaching understanding to them that murmur that they may answer meekly before the haughty of spirit and humbly before men of injustice who point the finger and speak of iniquity and who are zealous for wealth. As for me, my justification is with God. In his hand are the perfection of my way and the uprightness of my heart. He will wipe out my transgression through his righteousness. 
For my light has sprung from the source of his knowledge. My eyes have beheld his marvelous deeds. In the light of my heart, the mystery to come. He that is everlasting is the support of my right hand. The way of my steps is over stout rock, which nothing shall shake. For the rock of my steps is the truth of God, and his might is the support of my right hand. From the source of his righteousness is my justification, and from his marvelous mysteries is the light of my heart. My eyes have gazed on that which is eternal, on wisdom concealed from men, on knowledge and wise design hidden from the sons of men, on a fountain of righteousness and on a storehouse of power, on a spring of glory hidden from the assembly of flesh. Oh, great. Great, dude, you got Gnosis now. Now you're part Gnostic. Thanks, Qumran. Part Orthodox. Part hyper-Orthodox. Part hyper-Roman Catholic. Part hyper-Calvinist. Definitely part hyper-Baptist and all super-duper-mooper part Gnostic. God has given them to his chosen ones as an everlasting possession and has caused them to inherit the lot of the holy ones. He has joined their assembly to the sons of heaven to be a council of the community, a foundation for the building of holiness and eternal plantation throughout all ages to come. As for me, I belong to wicked mankind or the company of unjust flesh. My iniquities, rebellions, and sins, together with the perversity of my heart, belong to the company of worms and to those who walk in darkness. For mankind has no way, and mankind is unable to establish his steps since justification is with God and perfection of way is out of his hand. Uh, all things come to pass by his knowledge. He establishes all things by his design, and without him nothing is done. As for me, if I stumble, the mercies of God shall be my eternal salvation. Unless you do something bad enough, I guess, to, to be expelled from the community 100%. According to this rule, God is merciful, but only if it's an accident. Remember that, because then you're totally just, you're, you're out. You're going to hell. You're officially part of the sons of darkness or something. If I stagger because of the sin of flesh, my justification shall be by the righteousness of God, which endures forever. When my distress is unleashed, he will deliver my soul from the pit and will direct my steps to the way. He will draw me near by his grace and by his mercy will he bring my justification. He will judge me in the righteousness of his truth and in the greatness of his goodness. He will pardon all my sins. Through his righteousness he will cleanse me of the uncleanness of man and of the sins of the children of men that I may confess to God his righteousness and his majesty to the Most High. Blessed art thou, O God, who openest the heart of thy servant to knowledge. Establish all his deeds in righteousness, and as it pleases thee to do for the elect of mankind, grant that the son of thy handmaid may stand before thee forever. For without thee no way is perfect, and without thy will nothing is done. It is thou who hast knowledge, or who hast taught all knowledge, and all things come to pass by thy will. There is none beside thee to dispute thy counsel, or to understand all thy holy design, or to contemplate the depth of thy mysteries and the power of thy might. Who can endure thy glory? And what is the Son of Man in the midst of thy wonderful deeds? What shall one born of woman be accounted before thee? Kneaded from the dust, his abode is the nourishment of worms. He is but a shape, but molded clay, and inclines towards dust. What shall hand-molded clay reply? What counsel shall it understand? And that is the community rule, the main manuscript of it anyway. Uh, you might hear things in here that sound very Protestant-y, very Lutheran-y. Because it says, you know, that if I stumble, the mercies of God shall be my eternal salvation. My justification shall be by the righteousness of God, which endures forever. 
And it sounds almost like they have the sola fide thing going on, that we are only declared righteous by God. Problem, though, is that they don't mean it. See, it's pretty evident that a Mormon might tell you that they're saved by grace. But then in all their Mormon scriptures or whatever, they'll say, oh, I'm tired. God saves you by letting you know how you can achieve Godhood by all your works. It's double-tongued. It's speaking on both sides of their mouth to basically tell you that what they really believe is that they earn salvation or earn their deification. But you got to pay lip service to God. You got to say nice things about him. So they'll say, oh yeah, God, totally Jesus is my savior. These Qumran guys are the same way. They will say that it's by God's mercy and grace, but what they mean is that you're saved by being a perfect little hyper monk. And uh, also, you never ever do anything bad, and you never do anything that is perceived as bad. You give all your money and possessions to these people, and then they tell you what to do for the rest of your life, and then maybe, just maybe, if you never make too much of an oopsie, uh, to stay into the community, then, then, oh boy, you get some good things. But let's uh, let's talk a lot more about the bad things. They keep going. They keep going. And guess what? I am going to keep going in reading this because we should not see the Qumran community or the Dead Sea Scrolls as something to really jump off of as actually valuable to our faith. And yes, we will get to all the, the great fan fiction-y stuff here. That'll be great and everything. But you got to eat your rotten freaking vegetables before you get to your, you know, junk food that's in this stuff. So we have community rule manuscripts here from Cave 4. Or uh, 4QSD, um, 4QZ, uh, sorry, 4Q258. Teaching for the master concerning the men of the law. This is more community rule stuff. Or the master who is the superior of the men of the law, who have freely pledged themselves to convert from all evil and hold fast to all that he has commanded. And they shall separate from the congregation of the men of injustice and shall unite with respect to doctrine and property, and they shall be under the authority of the congregation concerning all matters of doctrine and property. They shall practice humility and righteousness and justice and loving kindness and modesty in all their ways, and no man shall walk in the stubbornness of his heart so as to stray. He is rather to lay a foundation of truth for Israel, for the community, for all those who have freely pledged themselves to holiness and Aaron and to a house of truth in Israel, for those to join them for a community. Whoever enters the council of the community shall undertake by binding oath to return to the law of Moses with all his heart and soul to all that has been revealed from the law. I'm going to be reading a lot of this stuff kind of quickly. It's going to be in the next few pages before we call it a day of eating rotten vegetables. Um, but keep in mind, these people don't worship God. They worship the law. In themselves, of course, but really, they really are about the law. This is all that they are about. 
And whoever enters the council of the men of the community shall separate from all the men of injustice. He shall not teach the purity, touch the purity of the men of holiness and shall not eat with them in community. And no one of the men of the community shall follow their decision in any doctrine and judgment and of work. <clears throat> no one from the men of holiness shall eat and with, presumably with them. The fragmentation is here. And they shall not lean upon works of vanity, for they are all vanity, who do not know his covenant, and who despise his word. He will blot them out from the world. All their deeds are defilement before him, and all their property unclean. Uh, Gentiles, and they, they just say the word Gentiles, I don't know why. And they pronounce oaths and execrations and vows. But when a man enters the covenant according to all these precepts, that he may be joined to the holy congregation, they shall examine their spirit in community among themselves concerning their understanding and their practice of the law under the authority of the sons of Aaron, who have freely pledged themselves to restore his covenant and heed to all the precepts commanded by him to be practiced by the multitude of Israel, who have freely pledged themselves to return in common. <sighs> They shall be inscribed in that order, one after another, each according to his understanding and his deeds in the law, that all may obey one another, the man of lesser rank, the greater. And they shall examine their spirit and their deeds in the law yearly, so that each man may be advanced in accordance with his understanding or moved down in accordance with his aberrations. They shall rebuke one another in loving kindness. Let no man address his companion with anger or ill temper, ill temper or wicked envy. Also, let no man accuse his companion before the congregation without having rebuked him before witnesses. These are the ways in which all of them shall walk, each man with his companion, wherever they dwell. The man of lesser rank shall obey the greater in matters of work and property, and they shall eat in common and bless in common and deliberate in common. And wherever there are ten men of the council of the community, there shall not lack a priest from among them, and they shall sit each man according to his rank before him and shall be asked their counsel in all things in that order and when the table has been prepared for eating or the new wine for drinking the priest shall be the first to stretch out his hand to bless the first fruit of the bread and of the wine and where the ten are there shall never lack a man among them who shall study the law day and night and the congregation shall watch for one third of every night of the year to read the book now why are they repeating everything because they have multiple manuscripts of the community rule and I said I was going to read all of the Dead Sea Scrolls, so got to be a man of my word here. But keep in mind, there are differences in wording. There are differences in things they are saying. When people talk about the biblical manuscripts found in the Dead Sea Scrolls that are so perfectly aligned with things like the Masoretic text or the Septuagint, those aren't the ones that the Qumran community got their hands on and actually copied. They're the ones they got from outside the community. I'll tell you that much, because when it came to their understanding of copying something, they had no problems editing it. They were willing to mutilate scripture whenever copying it. And there are cases in which they take a verse from the Bible and then they retranslate it or reword it the way they like. So the good stuff, the, the pure scripture that's actually in the Dead Sea Scrolls is not from the Qumran community. They probably went out and bought it. From a Levite or something like that. Because they, they don't like doing that. So even among their own community rules, whenever they copied it, they added, they took away, they reworded. They didn't do the careful scribal tradition of letter for letter, word for word. But I digress. Whoever draws his hand from beneath his garment, blank, 
And to pay to the wicked their reward, it shall be a tried wall, that precious cornerstone, whose foundations shall not rock nor sway from their place. It shall be a most holy dwelling place for Aaron, with the knowledge of them, all of a covenant of justice and of the offering of fragrance. It shall be a house of perfection and truth for Israel to establish a covenant, a covenant according to the everlasting precepts. They shall be an acceptance to atone for the land and to determine the judgment of wickedness with no injustice any more. When these have been confirmed to the foundation of the community for two years in perfection of way, they shall be separated as holy within the council of the men of the community, and anything hidden from Israel but discovered by the man who interprets, he shall not conceal it from them for fear of the spirit of apostasy. And when these become part of the community in Israel, they shall separate from the midst of the habitation of the men of injustice to go into the wilderness to prepare the way of him or the truth. This is the study of the law which he has commanded by the hand of Moses to practice all that has been revealed from age to age, and as the prophets have revealed by his Holy Spirit. And no man from the men of the covenant of the community who turn aside from any commandment deliberately shall touch the purity of the men of holiness, nor shall he know any of their counsel until his deeds are purified from all injustice so that he walks in perfection of way. And they shall admit him to the council by the decision of the congregation, and afterwards he shall be inscribed in his rank. And this rule shall apply to everyone who attaches himself to the community. And these are the rules which the men of holiness shall follow one regarding another. <sighs> Not the best kind of reading, guys. But we continue. We soldier on because it's this sort of thing that makes you stronger. Everyone who enters the council of the community, they shall exclude him from purity and from counsel and from judgment for two years, and he shall return to study and to counsel if he has not committed again a sin by inadvertence for two full years. For one sin of inadvertence he shall do penance for two years, and for a deliberately committed sin he shall return no more. But he shall be tried for two years concerning the perfection of his way, and for his counsel according to the decision of the congregation, and he shall be inscribed in his rank in the community of holiness. When these become part of the community in Israel, according to these rules, they shall establish the spirit of holiness as eternal truth. They shall atone for guilty rebellion in the sin of unfaithfulness, and shall again divine acceptance for the land without the flesh of holocausts and the fat of sacrifices and offerings. And the correct free will gift of the lips shall be like a fragrance of righteousness and the perfection of the way, like the free will offering of a gr agreeable tribute. Again, by the way, these guys aren't doing real burnt offerings, it seems. They don't have an altar. They don't have a tabernacle, it appears. I'll have to do some research on there. But they're saying stuff that Moses never said. Ever. They're going against the law of Moses by saying they don't, they shouldn't need burnt offerings for the expiation of their sins, and they shouldn't need peace offerings the way they were actually done in Leviticus. No, 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 just, just stuff with your lips. Wow, we're so holy. And at that time they shall separate a house for of Aaron for holiness for all of God and a house of community for Israel. Who walk in perfection? Only the sons of Aaron shall, uh, shall command in matters of justice and property. And the property of the men of holiness who walk in perfection, let their property not be merged with the property of the men of falsehood, who have not confirmed their way to separate from all evil things so as to walk in the way of perfection. 
Let them not depart from any counsel of the law, and they shall be judged by the primitive precepts in which the men of the community began to be instructed. He shall perform the judgment of every man according to his spirit, and he shall admit him according to the cleanness of his hands, and shall advance him according to his understanding, and so shall be his love and his hatred. Furthermore, he shall not rebuke a man, and shall not dispute with the men of the pit. He shall conceal his counsel among the men of injustice, but he shall impart true knowledge and righteous judgment to those who have chosen the way, to each according to his spirit and according to the rule of the age, guiding them with knowledge. And thus shall he instruct them in the mysteries of marvel and truth among the men of the community, that they may walk in perfection, each man with his fellow, in all that has been revealed to them. This is the time for the preparation of the way into the wilderness. He shall instruct them in all that is to be done in that time. And he shall separate from every man who has not turned away from all injustice. And these are the rules of conduct for the master in those times with respect to his loving and hating. Everlasting hatred for the men of the pit in a spirit of secrecy. He shall leave to them property and gain and the earnings of toil like a slave to his lord and the poor man to his master. Each shall be zealous for the precept of his time shall become a day of revenge. He shall perform the will of God in all his actions and in all his dominions as he in dominion as he is commanded. And all that befalls him he shall enjoy as a free gift, and without the will of God he shall not enjoy anything. He shall delight in all the words of his mouth, and shall desire nothing that he has not commanded, and he shall watch always for the judgment of God. And he shall bless his maker, and all that befalls he shall declare. And with the offering of the lips, he shall bless him at the times which he has decreed, at the beginning of the dominion of light and the completion of its circuit, when it retires to its appointed dwelling at the beginning of the watches of darkness. When he opens its storehouse and spreads it out at the completion of its circuit, when it retires before the light, when the heavenly lights shine out from the abode of his holiness together with their withdrawal to the dwelling of glory, at the entry of seasons according to the new moon, as well as their completion of their circuit when one succeeds the other. <sighs> Breathing break. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> Section 9. At their renewal there is a great day for the Holy of Holies and a sign for the opening of the everlasting mercies at the beginning of the seasons for all ages to come. At the beginning of the months for their seasons and on the holy days according to their rules for remembrance in their seasons, I will bless him with the offering of the lips according to the precept engraved forever. At the beginning of the years and at the completion of the circuit of their seasons, when they fulfill their determined precept on the day decreed for one to follow another, the season of early harvest, the summer and the season of sowing, the season of grass, the seasons of the year, their weeks, and at the beginning of their weeks, the seasons of jubilee. Uh, we will get into how much these guys were obsessed with time. And during all my existence, the engraved precept shall be on my tongue as a fruit of praise and a portion on my lips. I will sing with knowledge and all my music is for the glory of God and I will strike my lyre to the order of his holiness and the pipe of my lips I will tune to his right measure. At the coming of the day and the night I will enter the covenant of God and at the departure of evening and morning I will recite his precepts. And in them, I will reestablish my boundaries without return. I will declare his judgment correct concerning my transgressions and my rebellion shall be before my eyes as an engraved precept. And I say to God, my righteousness into the most high author of my goodness, fountain of knowledge and source of holiness, summit of glory and almighty eternal majesty, I will choose that which he teaches me and I will delight in his judgment of me. 
Before I move my hands and feet, I will bless his name. And before I lift my hand to grow fat from the pleasant produce of the world, at the beginning of fear and dread and, the, and in the abode of distress and desolation, I will confess his marvel and I will meditate on his might and on his mercies. I will lean all day long. I know that in his hand is the judgment of all the living and all his deeds are truth. When distress starts, I will praise him and I will exalt him for his salvation. And I will not pay an evil reward to a man. I will pursue him with goodness for the judgment of all the living is with God and he will repay man his reward. And then the text breaks up and then it picks back up again. And he has caused them to inherit the lot of the holy ones. He will atone for all my sins. Through his righteousness, he will cleanse me of the uncleanness of men. And from the sins of the children of men, I may confess to God his righteousness. Whew. Now, we only have a couple more pages, guys, of the section here regarding the community rule. And there is, we have to get through this part specifically because you need to, when you hear stuff about the war scroll, the giant scroll, the, the sons of light versus the sons of darkness, this is where that comes from. This is the community that produced that. These are the people that did it. And that's the culture that gave us these kinds of bizarre apocryphal stories. And we're even going to be looking into some of their liturgical stuff, their temple scroll, everything. But first, we have to get through the community rule. And later on, next recording, the Damascus document. So, there's another fragment here from the community rule that reads like this. And when he has completed two years, the congregation shall consider his case, and he shall be inscribed in his rank, and afterwards he may question concerning the law. And anyone who has been in the council of the community until he has completed ten years, and then his spirit turned back, so that he has betrayed the community and has departed from the congregation, to walk in the stubbornness of his heart, <coughs> excuse me, he shall return no more to the council of the community. And any of the men of the community who has shared with him his purity or his property, his sentence shall be like his. He shall be expelled. In the council of the community, there shall be 12 men and three priests. See how they're kind of aping the structure of Israel here. Perfect in all that has been revealed from the whole law to practice, truth, righteousness, and justice, loving kindness, and modesty towards one another. They shall preserve faith in the land with steadfastness and with humility and a broken spirit. They shall atone for iniquity by the practice of justice and the distress of testing. So, again, Old Testament times. This is before Christ died for our sins and rose again. They're still under the Mosaic law, which says, no, you got to do blood sacrifice. And these guys are like, we can't do that because we're not actually priests. So we're just going to do atonement via justice and distress of testing. It's actually very similar to how... A lot of modern-day Jews will say, oh, um, well, I can't do sacrifices anymore in Jerusalem, but we can certainly, uh, uh, between waving around sin chickens, we can definitely, totally, absolutely just do good stuff and engage in tikkun olam or whatever to atone for our sins. It's just ignoring what God actually told them. They shall walk with all men by the standard of truth, by the rule of the time. When these are in Israel, the council of the community shall be established to be an everlasting plantation, a house of holiness for Israel and an assembly of supreme holiness for Aaron. 
He shall be witnesses of the truth at the judgment and shall be the elect of good who will atone for the land and pay to the wicked their reward. It shall be the tried wall, that precious cornerstone. They shall um, neither rock nor sway from their place. It shall be a most holy dwelling for Aaron, for a covenant of justice to offer up sweet fragrance. It shall be a house of perfection and truth in Israel that they may establish a covenant according to the everlasting precepts when they have been confirmed. For two years in the perfection of way and the foundation of the community, they shall be set apart as holy within the council of the men of the community. And the interpreter shall not conceal from them out of fear of the spirit of apostasy any of those things hidden from Israel which have been discovered by him. And when these shall become the community, they shall separate from the habitation of unjust men and shall go into the wilderness to prepare the way of the truth. As it is written in the wilderness, prepare the way of dot 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 make straight in the desert a path for our God this path is the study of the law which he commanded by the hand of Moses the manuscript omits the section re uh, corresponding to the first uh, manuscript we read like I said they played fast and loose with this stuff these are the precepts in which the master shall walk in his commerce with all the living according to the rule proper to every season and according to the worth of every man goodness Gracious! Now we only have two more little pages here, and it's a lot shorter. Uh, a document called Entry into the Covenant. This manuscript is a couple sentences. And the guardian will come and the elders with him until dot dot dot, and they shall enter by genealogy dot dot dot, and the guardian shall curse the unrepentant, saying, Be damned without mercy. Let him be cursed dot dot dot, and he will remove him from his inheritance forever dot 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 when he visits destruction dot dot dot. And then we have a, a last manuscript for the day. It comes from four classes of the community, 4Q279. The first lot belongs to the priests, the sons of Aaron, and the second lot to the Levites, ranked in order, each according to his spirit. And the third lot will belong to the children of Israel in order, uh, each according to his spirit. And the fourth lot will belong to the proselytes. Ooh, proselytes, Gentile converts. We will get to that. So... Next up, we're going to be doing the Damascus document, and that'll be in the next episode of this series. But having heard everything thus far, this is Qumran. That's what this community was like. Hyper-ascetic dorks that collected heresies and heterodoxy like it was candy on Halloween. And before we get to a lot of their super bizarre beliefs and their um, mythical ideas in their Bible fan fiction that they wrote, it's important to establish, first and foremost, that these guys held to, well, justification by works alone while claiming to hold to justification by God alone. And they were so hard on their own guys with respect to their rules, they're demanding that people uh, give them all their stuff when entering into the covenant and stuff, it's hard to see how any of these people stayed or how anybody could be considered perfect or righteous, but that's where a lot of self-righteousness comes in. Whew. Until next time, we'll probably have a shorter episode for this next one. Amen and amen.